Ah, it's that time of year already here in the month of December as we're kicking off another almost Christmas weekend. It is a Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It is great to be with you. And we are once again celebrating Christmas on the Speaking For Him podcast. I think uh, we are, this is our fifth, if I'm not mistaken, fifth Christmas season as a podcast, which is just a testament to God's faithfulness and just it's been exciting to be able to be with you for so many episodes um over 200 now wait quite a bit over and so um before you know it we'll be turning the corner to 250 and we'll have a celebration when we hit 300 which is not as far away as you might think no because it goes faster um and i don't know how fast it goes for the listeners but for Adam and I, as we record these, especially since we do multiples, it goes fast. It does. <laughs> so It's been flying by. But all that to say, soda is the year, and uh, it's so hard to believe that we're looking at just a few days until 2017, um, and we will incidentally, in a couple weeks, be looking at New Year's with a special New Year's Eve week of Freeform Friday. And actually, this episode kind of takes the form of a Freeform Friday, but it has a Christmas theme, and I call it our Christmas scrapbook. And if I was more tech-savvy, our Christmas scrapbook could have been highlights from past Christmas shows, but because I'm not, and because I prefer fresh content, here we go. So we're going to start out by sharing with you the song story it's not really him but a song story one of my favorite christmas songs mary did you know by mark lowry and adam has that for us i thought this was so cool because so many people know the name mark lowry being a christian singer songwriter comedian he was born in houston texas back on june 24th 1958 to charles lowry an attorney and bev lowry a singer songwriter and pianist i find it so interesting that he was born to the father of an attorney, which they don't seem to joke around too much <laughs> like Mark Lowry does on stage. Mark actually graduated as he grew up from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1980, and he got into performing. He started doing some things on stage. He had a great singing voice as he grew up, and he was working on a project from one of his good friends about the next living Christmas tree. That was the name of the production, and he was asked Mark to write a song for this Christmas production. So as he was trying to think of well, what, what, what can I write? What can I knock out of the park for this production? Mark started thinking about all the things that Mary must have been going through and what it was like during that time when that angel came to her. And, you know, he said, as I, as I wrote the speaking parts, I began to think about Mary. And I've always been fascinated with the concept that God came to earth. And Mark actually was sitting down with uh, his mom one day. And they were having a conversation about Mary, and he remembers her saying, if anyone on earth knew for sure that Jesus was virgin-born, well, Mary knew because she's been going through it, you know? So Mark says that was so profound to him. So as he was writing the song, he was thinking about all these questions that he would want to ask Mary if he had a chance to just sit down and talk with her. Some of them include, you know, Mary, do you know who's in your arms? Do you know the one who holds creation together? Do you know your baby boy will walk on water and give sight to a blind man and calm a storm at sea with his hand. The interesting thing is, as he wrote down those lyrics and everything for this song, it was actually several years later in 1991 that he actually then talked to one of his good friends at the time, Buddy Green, 
to actually write suitable music for, at the time, what he called this poem about Mary during the Christmas season. So his friend Buddy Green put some stuff together. Basically, within 30 minutes, he put the musical setting together for this. And he called Mark and said, hey, I got the song for you. Let me play it over the phone. He did so. Mark loved it. He was so excited. He literally was ecstatic and shouted out loud, that's it, in Mark Lowry fashion. You know how he is. I get so excited. So two weeks later, uh, him, Mark, and, and Brian, they met in a hotel to produce the song and to sing it on a little port- portable machine back in 1991. And then they actually gave it to Michael English, who was a well-known Christian artist from 20, 30 years ago, kind of at the birth of Christian music. And he was the first person to record Mary, Did You Know, along with others as years past, such as country star Kenny Rogers and opera star Kathleen Badel. So it's very interesting. You know, so many hymns we've went over, they go back hundreds and hundreds of years. This song really is only in its 30s, if you think about it age-wise. So it's a very modern-day classic that we know and sing today. Yeah, it is. And I really I really like the song a lot. And I find it inter- I found it interesting a couple of things. Number one, I think I also read that several people tried to put melodies to it, and they just weren't the right fit. And so Mark kept rejecting them. And then when he finally asked Buddy Green, like you said, Buddy Green nailed it. And I, I find found the mo- thing I was most surprised about was that Mark didn't record it first. Yeah, uh, Michael English did. So I'm gonna have to go back and look up um, that Michael English version, see if I can find it on YouTube, and I may just sneak that onto the the uh, show notes for this episode, which you will find when you look it up on my blog. Speaking for him blogspot.com but we will see how much time I have to put together the show notes on that week and whether I get a chance to do that and whether I remember to to listen to this episode so that I remember that I that I was indeed going to include it <laughs> all that to say um, look up Michael English and Mary did you know to find the very first recording of course my um, my uh, preference is to um definitely to mark lowry i think because he wrote it um he has a definite definite connection to it and just listening to him sing it live is really cool and um then buddy green as well sings it and he's the one that wrote the music so and the interesting thing about it is the reason that mark didn't write the music is because mark can't read music Oh, no kidding. I never knew that. When he does his part in the Gaither vocal band, Guy Penrod actually records, or at least in the past, has recorded Mark's part. Mark will listen back to the tape, and he will learn it by ear, and that's how he sings in the vocal band. I believe he even plays piano by ear. So he doesn't actually write music because he doesn't read music which is why he enlisted buddy green to write the melody so that's that's just an interesting side notes so adam now we are going to look at something interesting from mental floss (laughs) those who listen to these uh, hodgepodge podcasts know that it's one of my favorite places to hang out and what are we talking about today adam well, we are talking about weird candy cane flavors that really should have never been created, but they were kind of like superheroes. It was one of those things that, you know, happened, but maybe something good will come out of it. 
I will say out of this list right out the bat, there's one that I definitely could get into, I think. Well, because anyone who knows Adam knows that he's crazy about bacon. <laughs> yes. And actually, Adam, if we had had more time, like if I had gotten the show notes to you a week ahead of time, like I should be, then I would have <laughs> maybe had you go hunting for some of these or at least one of these flavors to see if you could find it. But uh, we're just going to talk about them. And if anybody finds these flavors actually in the store and tries them, Go ahead and email us or send us a voicemail. Please. Let us know what you think. So what are the flavors? Well, uh, besides bacon candy canes, which is really all you need, we can just stop it right there. Uh, there are pickle candy canes. Now, I like pickles and I like candy canes, but I don't know if I like them hugging each other. I don't know if that's going to taste uh. so good, you know? That's a that's an odd one. I don't know if it's like a, a mint flavor with the pickle or something. That's going to be, I don't know, kind of odd. Uh, if you want something that brings you back to Thanksgiving just a few weeks ago, there are gravy-flavored candy canes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if maybe they'll come out with, like, some mashed potato candy canes and you can just kind of, like, eat one and then the other or something, kind of put them together. And then, then, of course, the bacon. The bacon. Oh, yes. You cannot go wrong with that. Which is funny because it kind of <laughs> looks like strips of bacon going around the cane. I mean, I realize that's the paint, but yeah. it kind of looks like little pink uh, pieces of bacon there, which is totally okay. Now, I'm not – I like some spicy food, but not a lot. Are you a big fan? Not huge. I have to be able to taste what I'm tasting <laughs> along with the spice. Well, then maybe maybe try the gravy-flavored ones first before this. There are wasabi-flavored candy canes that have actually been released. I do not think this is a good idea at all. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I've had, I've had wasabi – Twice in my life, once on purpose, and the second time on accident because I would never have it on purpose again. <laughs> so I agree with you. Wasabi is not the direction to go. No, it's very spicy. The, the one time I actually had it, it was an accident for me too. I was at a Chinese restaurant with my grandma, and I grabbed a plate from the buffet to start putting stuff on it, and something got on my finger, so I licked it off. Which, by the way, if you don't know what it is, that's a horrible idea, period. <laughs> I didn't know. I was just like it was total, uh, total habit, which is not a good habit to pick up. So as I looked at, it, all of a sudden my mouth got extremely hot and I started sweating. And I'm and like, so what is that? It wasn't even very much then. Oh no! Oh no! It, it was enough to to do some damage though, as in to my memory bank because it was not yeah. most fun. So I what, what I'm saying though is wasabi is typically strong enough to. Uh... To not to give you a kick in the teeth just by a very little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to do the full. But anyway, th those are some weird candy cane ideas. Like I said, if you try any of these, give us an email. Um, we'd love we love to get mail. We don't get a lot of mail, but we'd love to. Uh, or shoot us a voicemail on the blog, and then you will be able to. Um, then you will be able. To just give us some more insight on to how good or how bad these flavors actually are. <laughs> and right now, I, I wanted to share with you a little bit about the original story of the Christmas shoes. Now, I was going to ask Adam if he had a bed that would give us like 30 seconds of the song. Um, but I didn't get a chance to do that. So we'll just go from here. The reason I bring this up is because every year on the Wally show, and for those who don't know, I interviewed Wally la uh, actually it's been well a year and a half ago now in Nashville. And Wally, if you listen to the Wally show, uh, which is locally here in Grand Rapids in the evening hours, 
Um, you can go to WJQ for more information about the time of that. But the point being that he loves the song The Christmas Shoes. The other three people on his show, Betty and Becca and Zach, hate it. <laughs> they think it's the worst song on radio at Christmas time. As a matter of fact, Way FM banned it. <laughs> Did because they there was so much protest, Oof. I guess, by the staff and others that they're not even going to have it on the air this year. Although I think Wally has played little beds of it. <laughs> he tries to get away with it. And John Acuff, the Christian comedian, don't know if you ever heard of him. Oh, yeah. From the, the website Stuff Christians Like, and he's written books like Quitter and stuff like that. But he says that Christmas Shoes is the one song that even when the car is moving, you want to open the car door and roll out. <laughs> so hopefully it's not going too fast. But all that to say, a lot of times I think what people criticize the song and the story because it's been exaggerated over the years. Like if you watch the movie, the kid is like nine or ten years old. And he's buying shoes from for his mom who's dying of cancer, who used to be a dancer because he wants her to look beautiful when Jesus comes. And I can understand why you would say that if that a that a ten year old would be old enough to not um, for that not for them to realize that the shoes that his mom wears are insignificant. But I think it's important to note that the original story, which was called Golden Shoes for Jesus, it appeared in uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, I believe, in 97. I think it was in the very first volume of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it actually involves a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl or a, or a five-year-old boy and a girl that was slightly younger. So we're talking about um, younger kids and they have some small gold slippers and they want to get them for their mom and they try to come up with the money and they pull out $3.12 out of their pocket. And so this lady who is not in the Christmas spirit is feeling overwhelmed by Christmas. She is moved by the scene and she gives them the difference so they can give their mom the shoes. And so that their mom can have shoes for if she meets Jesus. Now, I'm reasonably certain this is a true story because that is, that is the goal of chicken soup is to have true stories that are inspiration. So, but now since that song, or since the movie is, or since the story came out first in Chicken Soup, there have been, there's a novel series of, I think, two or three books that have come out about characters based on that original short story. There have been, there has been the song, and there's been a few movies that have come out. And I will admit that some of that stuff isn't as great as the original story. I'm not going to read it for you here, but I will have the link to the original story on the blog so you can go and read Golden Shoes for Jesus, the original chicken chicken soup for the soul story about um, the Christmas shoes. Um, 
So do you have any thoughts? I don't know. How do you feel about the song Christmas Tunes, Adam? Mm. Do they play it on on your your station? Uh, we used to. Like the first Christmas I was here, like six years ago. Uh, I have to be honest. If you were driving past me in my car and the song came on, you'd probably see me rolling out. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of the song. What is interesting that I just learned today is if that is based on a true story, though, to me, that brings a lot more meaning to it instead of just somebody who's like, let's make everybody cry for the 12 days of Christmas kind of thing. So, yeah, I, um, I also do believe in oversaturation. Like, I think that that it gets played so much. Oh, yeah. That it becomes this thing. But like, and I also, but like you said, the fact that it's a true story and then it came from somewhere. Yeah. Like it wasn't just some invention of new song. Right. To write this Christmas shoe song and be like, hey, we got a tearjerker. And really, it's kind of interesting to think about too, because that's really why we do the hymn stories and the song stories like we did earlier. Because when you hear a, the story behind the song, of any song really, it can give you a new appreciation for it. So that's just interesting to keep in mind. As we move along, I am very excited to wrap up this podcast with a clip from a from a comedian by the name of Brad Stein. Now he's not quite as slapstick or overtly funny as some of the other comedians. He's really a, a thinker's comedian, I would say. Uh, he says a lot of profound stuff, sometimes in a funny way. And I just think he got some stuff extremely right about the Christmas season. So let's give this a listen. And I do thank God. I'm a theist. I'm a theist. I do believe that there is an intelligent designer. I do believe there's purpose and value in life. And I bring up God a lot in my show. You know why? Because I miss him. I miss God in my country. I miss him. You'll never know these things. You're 16 years old. You've grown up with spring break, not Easter break. <laughs> You grew up with winter break, not Christmas. You don't know what I'm talking about. That's the world you got. I remember when everybody cared. I remember when people used to say things like Merry Christmas to each other. Everybody said, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Lowenstein. <laughs> you know why? Because it wasn't about a religion. It was about something as a culture we thought was so valuable that we'd all do it together, even if I disagreed with the religion behind it because it was good for all instead of just me. But what do people say now? Happy holidays. <laughs> See, I just say happy holidays because I don't want to say Christmas because you don't believe in Christmas because I don't want to offend you. Because... <laughs> it's amazing. This overuse of the word offensive is driving me out of my mind. I mean, excuse me, sir, which part is more offensive? The peace on earth or the goodwill towards men <laughs> rhetoric? It's such a disingenuous argument, it's not real. Oh yes, we want to say happy holidays because we don't want to leave anybody out, really. How come there's a ton of holidays in February? Nobody ever says happy holidays in February, do they? They say what it is, happy Valentine's. Oh, do you believe in love? <laughs> they don't care. Happy Valentine's is fine. Happy Hanukkah is fine. You see, that's what it's all about. In December, we've got two religious holidays, one cultural holiday, and one holiday that I'm not sure what it is, Boxing Day. <laughs> Ever seen that? December 26th, Boxing Day. What does it mean? Nobody knows. <laughs> Apparently it's the day after Christmas. It must be all the fights we get in returning the junk we got the night before. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to return the fruitcake. We don't take it. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Boxing Day! <laughs> but nobody wants to say 
Christmas, everything else but Christmas. Why? I know why. You do too. It's because it's got Christ in it. And after 2,000 years, he's still intimidating people. You see, when a religious person says, I'm the way, people don't want to hear it. They don't. They don't. And I want to say it to the rafters. I'm a, I've even seen Christian people not say Merry Christmas. There are people in China right now, Christians who are in jail because they had a page of the Bible. And Christians in this country won't even say Merry Christmas. It amazes me, the cowardice. That's the price you pay when you're rich and safe. Airline industry still hasn't recovered. You know why? People aren't getting on planes. They're afraid. Think of that. We have traded safety and comfort for freedom. We're going to lose this country if we talk like that. I say you got to say Merry Christmas because it is. You don't believe in it? Fine. But I, I, I have a flash for you. Christianity happens to be the religious heritage of my country, whether you like it or not. Christianity happened to be the belief system of 99.9% .9 of the founding fathers, whether you like it or not. Every single founding father said that the Bible would be used as a fulcrum for the laws and ethics in this country, whether you like it or not. And they said it should be taught in school so kids would know where their ethics come from. So if you're not a Christian or you don't like it and you don't want Christmas celebrated, God bless you. But let me tell you something. If you think you're going to stop me from saying it because it offends you, hey, I got flies for you. Put a helmet on. <laughs> All right, and I don't know if you are familiar with Brad Stein, uh, but I really thought that was great. And if you want more information on the put a helmet on thing, uh, this piece that I shared was basically a, a bigger, a smaller piece of like a 20-minute uh, monologue that he did all about political correctness, which was about more than just Christmas. And he's like, if it really offends you, put a helmet on because you know, then you can kind of be protected from the offensive material <laughs> and then go about your merry way. So that's what that was about. Um, so, Adam, how familiar are you with Brad Stein, and what did you think of the piece? Um, I, hey, I thought the piece was great. Uh, he's so funny. He's so real, too. I love that. Um, I have heard of Brad Stein before. I haven't seen him in concert or show, stage, I guess whatever word you want to use, but... Um, I think it was great. I, I think he's right. I like especially where he said whether you like it or not. You know, a lot of people, it can be easy to argue, you know, your view or, or your opinion. And there is only one way with, you know, anything in life. There, there's only one truth, right? So even if you don't like it, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden that truth doesn't matter or doesn't exist because it, it is what it is. It, go, it goes back to the brick wall uh, analogy or in this case a counter the counter that I'm sitting next to here in the studio. I can say with all my heart, this counter does not exist. <laughs> but if I back up and I plow into it going eight miles an hour, which is the max for my wheelchair, I will hurt my wheelchair and I'll probably hurt the desk. And <laughs> I'll probably never come back here to record again <laughs> because it exists. There's nothing I can do to make it not exist. And that's the same way with God. And that is how we will end our show today. And Adam and I will wish you a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And as I said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a New Year's Eve weekend special edition of Freeform Friday to finish out the fifth Friday of December. Until then, well, until next week. <laughs> Don't skip next week's episode. Until next week, keep serving. 
the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.